Welcome to my podcast called You Must Be Out of Your Mind. My name is Dr. Don Wood. Everyone has experienced some trauma at times during their life. These traumatic events and experiences create a significant impact on how your mind works on a day-to-day basis. At the same time, creates long-term effects on your emotional and physical health. It will interfere with your ability to stay present and in the moment. After years of research, I use my knowledge of neuroscience to create what I call a memory reset. This memory reset reduces and eliminates the impact of the trauma and allows you to experience peace and clarity. My podcast will share many stories of people experiencing similar symptoms to you and how their lives have been positively impacted by our TIP program. I can't wait to share with you how the impossible is possible and why you must be out of your mind. And there it is. Well, welcome to another episode of You Must Be Out of Your Mind. I'm Don Wood, Dr. Don Wood, and I'm your host. And as you know, we always bring on great guests who have such great insights that I love to share with our audience. And today, again, I've got another great guest, Terry Britt, former Miss USA. Um, you're a spiritual healer. You also just did a TEDx talk. So we want to talk about all these different things. And I know you've got a coffee house that I read a little bit about, but I want to find out more about that. But welcome <laughs> to You Must Be Out of Your Mind, Terry. Oh, this is the perfect place for me. My husband <laughs> will tell you. <laughs> That's what most people say. I'm yeah. so happy to be here. Really excited to be here. That's great. So we had a chance to talk a little bit beforehand, but I want to share you know, a lot more about what you're doing because you're very passionate about what you do in helping families and, and the way they communicate. Can you just give us a little more description on uh, what you do and what you're passionate about? Sure. Well, I'm a spiritual teacher. I am uh, an intuitive healer. I'm a writer. So the way this came about for me is I was that a number one overachiever. I don't know anybody can relate to that. Always living on the hamster wheel, but I found that I was never joyful. It was as if I'd get that accolade, I would win that award, and then be like, what's next? I got to do it again. It, you know, it just, it was, everything was fleeting. So I found myself living on a hamster wheel, much like society, and, and was miserable. I found myself getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Um, I also was molested in high school, didn't realize how that was affecting me, but found that when I look back on it, I, I suppressed it. I didn't tell anybody. It, it, I suppressed it so much that I didn't remember it until my 30s. Yeah. But what I know now is that I just started shutting down. I, sh- I shut down more and more and more. I withdrew from the people around me. I withdrew from the world. And so I felt more alone than I'd ever felt. I followed my boyfriend to college because I wanted to follow, because that's what I thought I should do. You know, this is what you do in a relationship. But I wanted to get into broadcasting and there was no broadcasting department at this school. Right. So it was like, what are you doing? And uh, and so eventually I got angry and angry. I put my fist in his kitchen window. He wasn't loving me the way I wanted to be loved. You know, I just. nothing was working here was a straight-a student in college I was on scholarship and nothing felt good nothing felt loving and so I finally left I I was at home one day talking to a friend it was my second semester of my sophomore year I said I hate school he said so don't go and I said I have to he said says who right Don I'm sure you've had moments where something washes over you and epiphany it was like this energy just came over me and I said, I'm done. 
I went to my mom and dad and I said, I can't do it anymore. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And they supported me. I left school, got a job. I was like, that was probably by March. A former Miss Arkansas came in. I had short brown hair. I had been in Miss Arkansas the year prior. I had longer hair and a little bit heavier because I've been eating college carbs, right? (laughs) And uh, I made top five, but, you know, I was looking for a break. It wasn't about winning Miss Arkansas. I was, I want out. I want, I need opportunities. I want adventure. I want, my soul was calling me. Well, I didn't win. And I said, never will I do that again. Well, she taught me into it because she said a production house out of Miami had bought the Miss Arkansas franchise. So it might mean opportunities. Well, of course, I'm like opportunity, opportunity, right? It's right there in front of my face. So my mom made my dress and I left. I won Miss Arkansas just on a whim. Two weeks later was shipped to Miss USA had no training, no nothing, not even enough clothes. I had to borrow some of my roommates' clothes at Miss USA pageant. But then I made it to the top 12, and Bob Barker says, what are you doing, Cabot, Arkansas, population 4,000 on a Saturday night? And and I have to tell you, I have I have a news background now, so I lost, I've lost a lot of my Southern accent, but I talk like this. I said, well, Bob, in the winter we stay at home, but in the summer we go down to the Tasty Freeze, sit on the back of my friend's truck. He plays the banjo, and the guys drink a little beer and dip a little skull. It's a real good time. Oh, my <laughs> <And> God. <one. laughs> Wow, that's awesome. What a story. Uh, Yeah, but what was interesting about that night, a lot of things happened. And of course, you you know, you you look you look back on it and reflect on it and learn from it. In the moment of winning, of course, my ego was excited, right? It was like, yeah, I did it. Then the next moment I felt emptiness. Mm -hmm. And then the next moment I felt guilty. And I talk about this in my TEDx talk because my TEDx talk is called Unconditional Self-Love, A New Family Paradigm. And what I realized that night is that I didn't want my boyfriend to suffer. I mean, I'm literally in the moment of winning. I'm looking into the crowd where I knew my boyfriend is sitting in this huge coliseum. I know where he's sitting. And there's even a picture where my hand's reaching out and looking at him with guilt on my face. Because I'm thinking, what have I just done to his life? I've ruined his life. I'm going to be sent to New York. You're going to be left behind in Arkansas. So I had no permission to receive. I didn't feel worthy of really shining my light. You know, a lot of people say, well, how can you win Miss USA? I was not attached to winning Miss USA. I was looking for how you did it. I did, right? You know, I was just looking for an opportunity. So the one other thing that, that was planted for me that night was I stood in my truth. I left school, right? I left school after being this hardcore, you know, straight A student, the the teacher's pet, scholarship, everything. And I left school and just stepped out of the societal mode mode, or mold, I guess. And um, I followed my heart, spoke my truth, and then won this huge accolade. Now I couldn't receive it. I literally considered giving back the crown that night. I sat in my hotel room with my family oh, and my boyfriend. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, that's how I just really didn't have any permission to receive. Yeah. And so when I worked in television, I had a good career, but I'd find myself hitting those glass ceilings, right? It's like you couldn't couldn't get to that next place that I wanted to go. Well, I finally left everything when I became a wife and mom, and I found 
that with my stepson, who's now, he's almost 40, I found myself trying to make him be good and do it right. I found myself denying myself, trying to be this mother that I had always witnessed, right? And then I'd find myself blowing up, getting angrier and angrier and angrier. I found myself getting mad at my husband because he wasn't making me happy. He wasn't filling me up. Well, we had our two little girls uh, two years apart and I didn't take time to look at it. But in 95, my dad died and my dad had always been my hero. If anything, I had attached myself to his energy going, dad's way is the better way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because he was the one who was God in our home and mom was suppressed. No, he wasn't suppressing her. She was suppressing herself. But it was like, okay, who do I want to be like? I want to be like my daddy. Well, yeah. here's an interesting side note. Miss USA gave me, the, the Miss Universe organization, I won 150000 in cash and prizes. Half cash, half prizes. Wow. The cash is really meant to pay for your tax on your, on your gift tax, right? I gave my cash to my dad to invest he lost all of it oh no mm -hmm. wow. he lost all of it by the end of my year so I had very little I had to sell most of my prizes to be able to pay the tax so I was back where I started right There's a trauma mm -hmm. very much a trauma yeah. so in daddy's last 10 years of his life he the, the recession hit in the 80s and he ended up just going downhill, drinking, smoking, became a hermit. I mean, he just, it was really, really bad. And, and I remembered right before he died, and I talk about this in the TEDx as well, is that he collapses. And I'm realizing that my dad is dying. He's, right. he's, this is it. He died five days later. And I look at him and I'm like, daddy, you can't leave. I love you. You know, you, I, you can't leave. And, and Don, his eyes, they literally, they literally bugged out. Like, you mean you love me? Wow. Yeah. So he had his trauma too. He had so much trauma. I mean, his dad was in and out of prison. My, my dad's dad was an alcoholic. He'd beat the crap out of my dad's dad's. My dad would go, you know, pick flowers and sell them on the corner. And his dad would come and beat him up and steal the money and go buy alcohol. I mean, it was bad stuff. And so he had so much trauma. And, and what I recognized as I went into therapy and, and started looking at this whole dynamic, and I realized that daddy had no forgiveness of himself yep. and that he couldn't receive love because he didn't feel worthy of it. Yep. Right. And then it hit me that I was like my dad. And I, and I later figured out, I was like both my mom and my dad, but my dad was the one who had made the biggest act, impact on me at that point in time in my life. Right. And so when I realized that, I just said, I can't do this anymore. I've got to shift this. I've got to be different from my family because of my dad who said I could, he used to say to me, you can be anything you want to be. I mean, he, when he was, when he was flying high and doing great, he was taking Dale Carnegie and Earl Nightingale courses. And he was this man who came from extreme poverty, you know, sleeping in a bed with five brothers with cows on the other side of the wall. You know I mean? He came from extreme po poverty and he's trying to, you know, to help me be, you can be anything you want to be, but that's not the example he set. Right. When he started going downhill and having issues, he couldn't forgive himself. He couldn't let love in. Yep. And I realized that I was like that. I didn't let love in. I 
I didn't let love in when I won Miss USA. Thankfully, my family said, no, you're not giving back the crown. You need to keep it. You know, they encouraged me to let love in, but I just didn't know how to let love in. So over the years, um, what happened was after my, I was in therapy, my therapist said, you need to get into meditation. You're wound really tight. And I ended up at an energy school. And it was so cool because the first night in the class, I'm just taking basic one-on-one meditation <laughs> and I see a spirit go across the room and I'm like, Whoa, what just happened? You know, because I had no idea I could see. And even to the point where the, the teacher's like, are you okay? You look like you've seen a ghost. I think, I'm like, I think I have. Did, I yeah. something going across the room. And, and literally the energy moved right up next to her because I had said it feels like a man. And it wasn't like I was seeing this man. It was more of an energy, right? And a knowingness. And she goes, oh, yeah, he's right here. He's the founder of this school. He's always hanging out here. So, of course, now I'm hooked, right? I'm absolutely hooked. And, And so what I started doing is learning about energy and studied for several years and became an intuitive healer. And part of the deal was was looking at someone's energy. And then if, you know, you're clearing, 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 clearing blocks, doing all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, if you get blurry, if you get triggered, it means you have a matching picture, meaning you need to stop, clear out your own crap and then come back and be in neutrality to read the person. Well, what I discovered is every time I cleared out my own crap, I felt more peaceful. I felt more joyful. My anger was going away. And, you know, because we were, I was going into the subconscious mind without even realizing it at that time when they didn't talk about the subconscious mind. They're just like, oh, just go look for your crap. Right. And and so then what I was guided to do is I was, I read a book on unconditional love, self-love. And um, it's a great book by Paul Farini called, I think it's called Unconditional Love Reflections of the Christ Mind. And after I read it, it really impacted me. So I'm meditating and little Terry, the little five-year-old inside of me shows up Yep. and I'm sobbing, sobbing. Right. And I realized, you know, I've never acknowledged her. I've never loved her. I've never done anything for her. And I hear in my ear very clearly, get up and write this. This is the beginning of your book. And that right. was my first book message sent, which was a journal. The writing is not the greatest writing because it was just a journal. And I didn't do a lot of editing or anything afterwards. I just took out the dates and put, you know, a a title for each journal entry. But it was, what I was shown is to take the energy stuff that I had learned about seeing the outer world as a mirror to my inner world. And so if I reacted to my kids, if I reacted to my husband, if I was judging them in any way, I would stop and give thanks. Thank you. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for showing me myself and going into gratitude. I immediately would change my vibration. Right. Yep. And I would go within and talk to little Terry and say, what's hurting. I was meeting her with compassion. What's hurting. What's causing you to react this way. And she would tell me and I would love her. And I'd say, well, what's the belief. And I'd get so deep into the belief that once I cleared it, it's more often than not, it, I mean, it would just, it, my whole life would change. Are you tired of dealing with stress, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, even feeling broken? Have traumatic events and experiences in your life created post-traumatic stress for you? Perhaps you're an athlete, an executive, trying to reach that next level of performance. Well, there's nothing wrong with you and there's nothing wrong with your mind. Your mind is dealing with some glitches and error messages as a result of these traumatic events 
or disturbing events earlier in your life. It's interfering with your ability to stay present because the memory keeps on looping, activating your nervous system. I've helped thousands of people deal with anxiety, panic attacks, depression, feeling that sense of brokenness. We can clear that in as little as four hours. Check out our website, inspiredperformanceinstitute.com and check out some of the stories and testimonials. Some of these may relate to what you've experienced in your life. And we look forward to helping you reach your next level of performance. And there it is. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, I had this anxiety every time I'd go into a grocery store or to, you know, just whatever. Daily life. I mean, I had been a former Miss USA and I didn't get nervous or an anxiety. I got a little nervous, but not anxiety. This, I would be like shaking all through my body. And I would judge it and judge it and judge it and judge it and push it away and resist it and nothing was happening. And one day I'm standing in my front lawn and I hear in my ear, embrace this. See it as mm -hmm. a gift. Right. So I started saying, thank you. Thank you. What are you trying to show me? And about a month later, two months later, I was in Office Depot, nine o'clock in the morning. There's not a soul there. And I'm feeling it again. So I leaned over my shopping cart to look at that little girl inside of me because I'm building this relationship with her, right? And I right. said, what's hurting? So what's causing you to react this way? And in my mind's eye, her little curly blonde hair is sitting there going, when I go out into public, I have to act perfectly or I get into big trouble. Yeah. Yep. That was the trauma, right? There's the trauma. Yep. There was the trauma. And you know what was so cool, Don, is in that moment, I said, I'm the boss now. And mm -hmm. if you need to do cartwheels down this aisle, go right ahead. And of course, I didn't need to. But you know what? It went away and it never came back. Because it was looking for resolution. So it, it needed a resolution to that, that that wasn't true. Yeah. And that's where all those emotions show up, like you talked about with depression and everything else, is your mind was just calling for an action. Yeah. Wanted it fixed. Yeah. And, and a lot it, of people don't understand that. And for me, it's that fixes bringing love to it. Mm -hmm. It's embracing it and loving it and learning from it. Um, I mean, my first book I said was Message Sent. It's Message Sent, Retrieving the Gift of Love. It's, it's seeing everything as an opportunity to go deeper in moving into alignment. And so what I've seen over the years, and then my next book that I was guided to write was The Enlightened Mom. So what I've seen over the years for myself, and you were asking, you know, what I'm doing now is I'm really on a mission. I have a global community called Women Leaders of Love. And the tagline is, is pioneering change for our families and the world. And, and the reason I feel that way is because as I shifted my life, as I said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not performing anymore. Because what I realized is that my anger and my sadness, my frustration was my disconnect from my true self. And I was wanting people to fill me up. I was wanting people to make me feel loved. And then when I didn't feel it, I would get angry. Like, are you going to see me? Are you going to hear me? Are you going to value me? And even with the accolades, I still didn't feel that, right? Because it wasn't coming from within. And so I stopped performing. I stopped trying to win love. I stopped trying to prove my worth. And what was so beautiful about it is my whole family changed. I right. mean, my whole family changed. My late husband, Steve, he said to me, and I, and I, this is in my TEDx, he said, I feel better in my skin than I've ever felt. And I said, why? And he said, you forced me to it. And I'm trying to figure out how I forced him to it because he was like a 250 pound gorilla. 
I'm like, okay, how did I do that? And <laughs> he said, when you quit caretaking me, Terry, to find yourself, yeah. it forced me to find myself. And now I feel better in my skin than I've ever felt. And it was so cool to see him shift from this. I mean, he had been a garment manufacturer, made did private labeling for Macy's and Dillard's. I mean, he was he did very, very, very well. And to see him say, I don't want to be an achiever anymore. I want to be a seeker. I want to let everything go. And to see him step into his calling and to love himself before he died at the age of 56 from a heart attack. That was so cool, right? I mean, I gave him that gift. I gave him that gift. So my mission is to help women see because we're the martyrs, right? And and not just women, but that's because I was that martyr, you know, oh, I'm going to deny myself because this is love is my mission is to help people say, no, every time we deny ourselves, we are setting an example of unworthiness, of lack, of yeah. pain and punishment. If we, if I'm denying myself, I'm punishing myself. And what we now know energetically, as you know, is you draw that to you, you draw things that make you feel bad, your guilt and your shame, you shut down, you don't receive love. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to show through my own life and by helping, you know, coaching women have a, a program called the Worthiness Quotient is to help them really step into self-love, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, and to set that example for their loved ones. Um, my daughter, it was so funny, a couple of years ago, she gave me, uh, I can see it from here, a handkerchief, and she says, um, you know, thank you for showing me what a, a beautiful relationship is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about that is about you need to lead the example, right? It's one of the metaphors that I use in my program. What I talk to them about is, and I explain the story. Everybody usually remembers the story about Sully Sullenberg who landed the jet on uh, in the Hudson River. And so I'll I'll ask them and they'll say, yeah, I remember that story. And I say, you know what the most remarkable part about the story was? Not landing the jet on the on the river. The most remarkable part of the story, what people were talking about, was how calm he stayed. Mm. So when he communicated to his crew and he communicated to the passengers, he now didn't have to worry about the crew and the passengers. He only needed to focus on landing the plane, which is exactly what you're saying, is that when you started to then take care of you, everybody else right, felt better. And so the metaphor, what I say to them is, just land the plane. Yeah. And everything else will take care of itself, right? You don't have to take care of everybody. You just need to land the plane and everybody's safe. I love that. That's I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. I may steal it from you. Yeah, say, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll attribute it to you. <laughs> but that is so beautiful. And I love that. And that's exactly the way Steve felt. Uh, and I was married to him for almost 17 years. We were together 19 before he died. And and, you know, and I remember him saying to me, he said, you're the grounding cord for this family. Yep. Yep. And sure. Because I always, you know, it seemed like the way I was raised, if whoever's bringing in the most money, that's who gets valued. Yeah. And it's really sad because we need to value each other, but to value that if we're taking the time to heal and to make a difference so that there's more joy and peace in our home so that our children get raised in that and that our partners can can experience that. Charlie, my hubby now of almost 15 years, he said to me, he said, um, he said, I always knew you loved me, but until you taught me to love myself, I couldn't receive your love. Right. 
and now I do. So that's what I've learned over the years is that we keep performing, trying to prove our worth, hoping other people will make us feel loved. But in reality, we shut down. We don't receive love until we own our worth within ourselves. And just like as Miss USA, I didn't own my worth. I took the crown because my parents said take it, but I didn't claim the crown. I didn't own it within myself. I didn't own it in my being. And so my outer world mirrored that back to me by the end of the year when all my money was gone. Your outer world's going to be a mirror. And, And so for me, it's like if I can help people see that your greatest act of service is loving yourself and healing, because then you become that example of peace and joy and love and fulfillment for your family. There is no greater gift than that. I've seen it in my family, you know, and we call it prosperity consciousness. Um, It's, it's really been interesting because a few years ago we had, you were wanting to know about the coffee company. I'll share with you a little bit about this. So we have this coffee company in the mountains of Georgia called Jumpin' Goat Coffee, Jumpin' Goat. And because goats discovered coffee. You didn't know that story. I I use a goat in my program. That's funny though, but I get it. Yeah. And so we, we bought the, the original little store and it was 700 square feet. Okay. You can do a whole lot there. Great coffee. We had a web business. We had wholesale, but my husband, when we took over this company and moved up here, he was on the road doing his old sales stuff. Right. And I had him listen to this meditation on poverty consciousness versus prosperity consciousness. Prosperity consciousness, meaning I'm choosing unconditional love for myself. I'm choosing to align with what I call God, to move into alignment. Mm -hmm. And poverty consciousness is when we disconnect from that God source inside of us when we're performing. So he listens to this audio and he says, I'm in poverty consciousness. Mm -hmm. I said, why? He said, well, he goes, I want wholesale business but I don't want to go after it. I'm tired of being on the road. I want to be at home with you and the dogs. And he goes, I'm done. I said, okay, do what you need to do. Don, he stopped. And here's the key. He did it without guilt. Because a lot of times we say we're going to do something and then we feel guilt or shame about, oh, you know, I'm not being good enough or whatever. He didn't do any of that. That's awesome. Wholesale business started flooding in. I mean, just flooding in. He was saying to the universe, I am worthy of receiving just by being me, by choosing what's in my heart, by putting this first. And so the business comes flooding in. It wasn't probably a couple of months later that our second property came up for sale, seven and a half acres on the at the base of this beautiful mountain that I actually live on. And It was a building that was an old motorcycle church, nothing around it other than fields and the mountain. I mean, absolutely exquisite. And and Charlie had set an intention years ago in 2008 when we were on our honeymoon. We saw um, a coffee house in the mountains of uh, Telluride because that's my dream is to have something like that in the mountains. Well, lo and behold, it was right in front of us. And let me tell you, last night we had music bingo and we had a hundred people reserved. Luckily, we luckily not everybody showed up because we wouldn't have been able to house them because it was raining. It was like it was, we have all these grounds that they can overflow outside. You know, we have this beautiful pavilion, and it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many people signed up. But the business is flourishing. You know, we ship to around the whole country. We ship to even to Hawaii and Alaska. 
Um, we have amazing wholesale business. I mean, the business just keeps flourishing and flourishing and flourishing because we both are holding the vibration of choosing prosperity consciousness, of choosing unconditional love. And when we have roadblocks, when we have something that is showing up, instead of feeling like victims, we're seeing it as a gift. What do I need to clear inside of me that this is mirroring to me? So that's our, you know, it's like, I mean, when we got married, we we actually had in our wedding ceremony that we were committing to being an enlightened couple. I like and, that. Yeah. Isn't that cool? So yep. that, that our marriage was about, not just about, oh, you're going to, I'm going to, you know, do this and you're going to do that. And, and then the, we're going to fall apart eventually. No, an enlightened couple for me is when we both commit that we are on a learning journey together, that we are going to grow. It's almost like you're both here. And then you're, but you're both coming in union consciousness with God, with God consciousness and moving up so that you truly are a team. You're committed, but yet you're individuals and, but you're in that space of we are growing together. We are learning together. And instead of blaming you for my unhappiness, I'm going to give thanks when I want to knock your head off because you really piss me off. I'm going to say, thank you. I'm going to say thank you. Right. So, and that's our commitment. That is the commitment in our marriage and and in being that example in our community and in my work. So that's what that's what that's my mission, uh, just to help people see there's a kinder, gentler way. I love that. And I love the enlightenment because it's something I use, especially with people who are dealing with grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I talk about, and this is really powerful, is somebody who's lost somebody, they feel like they've now lost them. And I said, well, let's look at it this way. As I said, energy, right? We are energy. So I said, if I took a glass with ice and we put the ice and the glass here together, and we left for a couple hours and came back, what would happen to the ice? It would melt. Mm-hmm. So energy is water, water is energy, right? Mm-hmm. So if we left the glass for now two months and we came back, right, the water would evaporate. So the human mind would come in and look at it and say, well, the water's gone, but the water's not gone. The water changed form. Mm -hmm. It changed into a different form of energy. Mm -hmm. And Albert Einstein said, you can never destroy energy. Energy lives on forever. Mm -hmm. So I say the person that you love that has passed, I said, the body they were born with didn't exist when they passed. Mm -hmm. Every cell in their body was a change multiple times. They were never a body. The body just carried the energy. Mm -hmm. Now the energy is in an enlightened form. You just can't see it and hold it and touch it. So the mind, the human mind perceives a loss, Mm -hmm. but they're just enlightened now. And one day you'll be enlightened, right? And then then it'll make more sense to you. But Mm -hmm. it's just a a way to explain it to them to get over. Because I think about my parents who have passed away and I just smile. I never feel sad. Thinking about yeah, my, that's why I'm with my late husband too. I mean, and even my dad, and my late husband, because he had beaten cancer, had a two percent chance of survival, beat cancer, and then he dies of a heart attack. So nobody was at home, so they had to do a homicide investigation. I'm trying to get home from a dance competition with my youngest daughter, and my oldest daughter. He was supposed to have picked up at a friend. She calls me. She goes, "Mama, where's dad? He's supposed to pick me up 30 minutes ago." And I'm like, mm, "I don't know." So he had been complaining of his back all weekend while we were gone. So I called my neighbor and I said, he's been taking a lot of aspirin. Would you go check on him? Well, they found him dead. Mm. So they had to do a homicide investigation. Right. And by the time I get home, they're still doing it. 
I'm sitting at my neighbor's on the toilet in the bathroom and I call in my husband's spirit and I'm going, why now? Because it was like, I had been working on releasing blocks around passion and our relationship, it was getting better, even more. It it had already gotten better over the years, but it was getting better and better. I mean, we were taking a dance class together. We were, I mean, our dance teacher said, yo, I love you're on your honeymoon. You know, so I was doing all of this wonderful stuff and then he drops dead. And I'm like, why now? Yeah. And what he said to me is he said, I finally let go of the controls. He had been it's like willing himself to stick around for the for the girls to get them because what in the midst of all this, we had moved from Los Angeles to Florida. So he, in his mind, I think he thought, let's get settled, let you guys get in, you know, get in school. And I just I have no idea what was going on in his mind. That's all I can assume. But when he said he let go of the controls, and so for me. I can talk to him anytime. And I do. And whenever I feel, you know, I feel that way. Um, my husband, we just lost a dog about a month ago, very unexpectedly. He's really, really struggling. And and I have my moments because I just miss her little, you know, fuzzy face. Yep. But but I told him, I said, you know, I saw her leave. Right. And I saw that she was ready. And I can see her on the other side. I can see her enjoying herself. Um, our other dog now has got, we just, she got diagnosed with lymphoma. And this is crazy because we're the people who do acupuncture on our dogs and herbs and do a real clean diet, but they have cancer. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm watching her, you know, and I, at first I got, she wanted to stick around and do chemo. And then as another friend of mine was over reading her energy and he says, she's wanting to stick around because she wants to make y'all happy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So I had a conversation with her. I'm talking to my dog. I'm like, you can go whenever you need to go. I love you. And you have been an amazing friend and partner. And, and so my husband did the same thing. And the next day I called the vet and said, we're not going to do any chemo whatsoever. Cause we were going to do integrative. And my dog, I saw her look at me mm-hmm. and, and say, thank you. And the next day, her energy was completely different. The next day was like, she's two years old again. She's romping in the river. She's, you know, running around. And, and so to me, it's like, everything is energy, whether it's our animals, whether it's, you know, the chair I'm sitting in, it's all energy. The way you were describing it so beautifully when my dad died, I mean, this was before I got into any of my training or had ever seen anything. And in the last moments of his life, he literally, he's laying there. He had not opened his eyes in about 24 hours and he sits up with his eyes bugged and then he collapses. And when he collapses, his body went from here to here. And what I saw or what I didn't know that I saw it, but it felt like what I was seeing is that his spirit left. But he was still there. And it was funny because my mom and sister, who were not open to any of this stuff, we were sitting at the dining room table. And I said, I feel daddy right over here, like hanging out around the ceiling. And they're like, yeah, me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So I agree with you. You know, it's like it's to be able to feel that and experience it and and not have to grieve it. I have to give you another idea, too. Here's something that you might throw at your patients or your your people that you work with. Um. One of the things that I've seen over the years with grief is that it's they're missing not the person, but what the person brought to their life. Mm-hmm. I had a woman call me one day and she was crying. She she I, I was like, what's going on? She's talking about her son. And I'm literally thinking he's dead the way she's talking about him. Right. 
And I said, what happened? She goes, he left for college. <laughs> I went, oh, how long ago? She goes, a year ago. Wow. I said, wow. I mean, she was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And I said, okay, I'm going to just do a little process with you. And I just took her in a little bit. And I said, I want you to really feel into what your son brings to you that you're missing right now. And she goes, oh, he's so playful. She goes, I have no playfulness in my life anymore. Yep. And I said, well, sister, that's what you're missing. You're missing that more than him. You're yeah. missing that that little girl inside of you is missing your playmate. Yep. So you've got to go. And, and so I took her through another process to say, okay, so let's see what your little girl inside of you is wanting to sure. experience with play. And she got a phone. She was a different person. Yeah. yeah, it's just identifying that, you know, the, the other story that I loved as well. I love that. That's really so impactful. The, the, I remember Tommy Lasorda. You probably know who Tommy Lasorda was. He lived out in L.A. And so he, uh, after his son passed away, his son was 33. And he left. The Dodgers were in first place. And he had to go and take some time off for the funeral. And he comes back. And he's out throwing batting practice, writing lineups, doing everything. And everybody's on eggshells because what do you say to him after losing his son? Nobody knows what to say. And Tommy's going around just like business is normal. Right. And then finally somebody says to him, it says, Tommy, like, we're all confused. We don't understand. How are you doing this? You know, we all don't know what to say to you. Mm -hmm. He said, how are you dealing with this? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, here's the way that my wife and I decided to look at it. He says, we looked at it this way. If God had come to me 33 years ago and said, I have a little boy for you, but you can only have him for 33 years, are you still glad you took him? And he wouldn't have changed any of that. He just didn't know he had 33 years, but he's glad he had the 33. That's total gratitude. Total gratitude. Yeah, but he had 33 years, right? And it's the same thing with all of this, like your husband at 57, you know? 57 amazing years, right? But that was what he had. Yeah, right? yeah, he did. So, and he, he lived it too, let me tell you. He lived it full out. And it's so funny because I feel he knew he was going to leave because the last year of his life, he hung out at a cigar store with men 20 years his senior. And they would listen to his stories. Yeah, that's awesome. Because he had lived a big life, right? So they yeah. listened to his stories and... And, you know, when I looked at it, I, I don't think I was expecting him to die because he had beat the cancer. But when I look back on it, you know, that's what people tend to do. Sometimes when they're getting ready to leave, they start reminiscing about their life and sharing and talking and just kind of absorbing it all. And that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's amazing. I've enjoyed this so much. This has been great. I, if people want to get a hold of you or tell me what you're working on that you can, uh, present with people. I know you got your TEDx talk that's coming up. Oh, it just, yeah, it's just came out. So please go and just look Terry Britt, uh, TEDx, Unconditional Self-Love. And please go like it, comment and share, because we want to spread this message of unconditional love and help families really heal. Um, so yes, they can, they can check that out. Um, what I'm really working on right now is just spreading more of this message of self-love and owning your worth. And, you know, my big thing is, is that others don't determine your worth. You do. Yes. And that we are all worthy, but we are the ones who have to commit to cleaning out the crap that says, no, you're not. Yeah. And um, so I have a worthiness quotient quiz that I want to invite everybody to do because you know, I hear women and men all the time say, I have owned my worth. I've owned my worth. I own my worth. I'm worthy. 
But yet, when they look at their outer world and their feelings of anger, judgments, depression, sadness, that is a sure sign that you haven't owned your worth, right? And so it's like, pay attention to your feelings. How are you responding to the outer world? Do you feel jealous? Do you feel like you have to take care of everyone else at the expense of yourself? Do you feel as if nobody's hearing you or that you're not seen, heard, and valued? If you feel any of those feelings, you have not owned your worth and you deserve better than that. So that's my mission. I'm so big on that. And so the quiz is broken down into eight segments and you take out these, you do these questions. It takes about five minutes. And at the end of it, you're going to get a broken down report. I mean, very personalized as to what each segment is, where it's high, where it's low, where it's masterful, and an overall total number to show you where you're being called to own your worth, to step into prosperity consciousness, to love yourself. And um, and then it's going to give you some tips and tools on how to do that. So they can get that at terrybrit.com forward slash quiz. Okay. And um, and then if you really want to have a digital program too, right? Yeah, I have a digital program that will lead you to a webinar that's free if you want to watch that. But you've heard a lot of my stuff today. If you want to go straight to the digital program, it's terrybrit.com forward slash worthy. And that's the worthiness quotient. Claim your crown, lead a life you love. Uh, there's a Southern accent. <laughs> Southern <comes>. accent. <laughs> yeah, it comes in every now and then. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's 18 meditations that go deep into the subconscious mind. You're also going to learn some really powerful tools. And session four on forgiveness, I've seen people's lives change on a dime. Literally, like they've hold, held a label their whole lives that they were a troublemaker or they were the drama queen. And when they flip the, the label and saw the truth and I take them through this process, they see the truth of who they are. They yep. see that wow, you mean I'm not this bad person? You know, we live in trauma when our parents, you know, this is what I try to tell people. If a parent has judged themselves and then that kid is a mirror to them, they're going to judge the kid, right? And so we take on those labels and we have to flip them and we see the truth. We're like, holy crap, really cool. So the course is so powerful. I've seen people's lives change so much by doing the processes. And then you have this whole tool chest of spiritual tools, energy tools to look at and heal. So that's at terrybrit.com forward slash worthy. And because you listened to this conversation today, if you put in the coupon code talk, T-A-L-K, you'll get 50% off. It's already really priced low. I did it really low because I want a lot of people to have this course. Yeah, now you strike me as somebody who's just trying to help so many people. Right? I am. I can't encourage everybody enough to go and follow Terry and the work that she's doing is brilliant. I love it. And, and it's been an honor to have you here as our guest and share your life and what you've been going through. It's such an inspiration. Thank you, Don. And thank you. I love what you're doing too. I want to come play in that thing behind you. <laughs> that, that data machine. Yeah, you just go to sleep in that. It's awesome. <laughs> <It's> like fun. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, Terry. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of You Must Be Out of Your Mind. And there it is.